Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello everybody and welcome once again to Hashtag Jazz uh, thank you so much for listening. So, a lot has changed, I think, since our last episode. Four games have passed since we we did our last episode. And the Jazz were 500 when we recorded. They are now two games above 500. It went 3-1 and one in that time. With uh, initially lost to Milwaukee and then uh, three straight wins. So uh, a lot can change. I think we, both Trey and I, uh, agreed that the Jazz were definitely on an upward trend, but they really showed it this past weekend. It, it's just got, I think all of Jazz Nation is really excited uh, for just the next, really the rest of the season. Because uh, we all know that the schedule is going to get easier. The Jazz are playing a lot better. And everything's just nice. So, uh I don't know, that's my opening statement. Trey, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we knew we've been talking about the turnaround for a while now, and it's nice to see that uh, they mean business again. I mean, that game against Milwaukee, although we lost, man, that was some really, really good coaching by not just Quint Snyder, but uh, Budenholzer, too. Uh, and Giannis, to get 30 points on 30 shots, that means we made him work, so that's always good. Um, but to get the the past three wins, it's just awesome. I, the, there was two of them. We had to come back to win it, but <laughs> a win's a win, I guess. My mom actually texted me after the Magic game, I think, or the Laker game. I can't remember. Uh, and she's like, how about that Jazz win? I was like, yeah, it was good. We just can't keep coming back to win. But other than that, no, it's been, it's been awesome. Good week. Yeah, it has an... When you look at these wins, the Jazz have won five out of their last six games, with the, the one loss being to Milwaukee, which you don't like to say good loss, but you know they looked good. But you know, in, the, in these six games, we we touched on this earlier, like when they were losing a bunch of people, were like, well, the schedule, the schedule, the schedule, it's really hard, and yes, but the Jazz looked terrible. It wasn't that they were losing close games, maybe pulling out a win or two, the kind of things you would expect from a really good team playing a really tough schedule. They just looked bad. Now, yes, they're they're playing worse teams, and and there are some things you can not like the fact that they've had to come back. You know, the game against the Magic, what were they down like 32 to 13 or something like that? They're down by a stupid amount to a team they shouldn't have been down to, and they do end up coming back. They beat Los Angeles pretty handily. I don't think they needed to come back in that game. I think they jumped out on top of them. And then they let Chicago come back, but they still pulled off an early lead. So, like, the Jazz have looked pretty good in these games. And the the Chicago game was actually uh, Quinn Snyder's yeah, 200th win. Which, it's not a... It's not too much to write home about, but it's something. It's something you can kind of put in at the end. Sure. I mean, the three, the three guys that... Uh, the three guys there are Jerry Sloan, Frank Layden, and now Snyder, in that order. 
Yes, yeah, so he's the, he's the third coach, and I think he's uh, the the 94th all time. I, I looked up; he's 94th all time uh, coach to reach 200 wins, and he joined a group of, of 15 active head coaches. He's now one of 16 head coaches currently in in the NBA who uh, have 200 wins, and they're all good coaches. You know, in there you got Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, and you know, I'll just go down the list of. You know, head coaches who have really made a good living here in the NBA. So to get that, you know, Quinn Sanders really earned it. Uh, he's showed that he belongs as an NBA head coach, and he's helped put together a pretty decent team. And, you know, he'll, he'll probably last another, you know, uh, I don't know how old he is. I'd say at least 15, 20 years, even if it's not with the Jazz. Maybe something goes wrong. But uh, I think Quinn Snyder is is a good coach, and he's he's made sure that he'll – uh, he'll be able to always make a living off of uh, coaching in the NBA. Oh, totally. I actually said this to my girlfriend the other night. I was, just, you know, I have this feeling Quinn Snyder's going to be here forever. He's going to have this Jerry Sloan like tenure. Like he's going to he's going to be done when his when he thinks he's done. Yeah, I'm I'm increasingly getting that feeling, uh, partially because, like I said, I I believe Quinn Snyder's a good coach, and partially because just the Jazz are uh, really hesitant to fire anybody. So, <laughs> I, I I don't think they're gonna fire him until he either truly sucks or is too old or sure. You know, Jerry Sloan just got up and quit because he's like just like it's just one of those I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore, and so Jerry Sloan went out the way he wanted to go out. Now maybe he would have preferred to. I, do I don't it know to, if that was the way he wanted to. Yeah, I guess he 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 left when like he wanted to. Like I guess that's the way. Like I. Yes, I should say he probably wanted to go out a different way. Like the, he probably you know when he was started coaching, maybe he envisioned himself going out a little differently. Like a, I don't know, not like in the middle of a season, you know, after getting to a half with the star player. But Jerry Sloan controls his own destiny, and I, I think Quinn might be able to do the same thing. Again, I don't know how long it'll be. It might be ten or fifteen years down the road, but. He, he could be one of the longest tenured head coaches by the time he's done. He probably will be, I think. You know, just for a number of different reasons, I think he'll be one of the longest tenured head coaches by the time he's done. Maybe not the most successful, not at the top of the win totals or top of the N- NBA Finals wins, you know, column. If he gets one, I'll be fine. Uh, if it's with the Jazz. But, like, he'll go down as one of those pretty good head coaches. And I'm I'm fine with that. You're not going to get a Jerry Sloan every time, so if you can get a good one, that's fine. Sure. All right, so let's let's move on to uh, really the the talk of the town right now, and that is the man that is back uh, officially, I think, or at least about as close to officially as you can get, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and his performance really since we last talked, and we were talking about him. Starting to come back. You know, he had had a couple of good games. And then suddenly these last three games, uh, I mean, I tweeted this out uh, earlier, and uh, Donovan Mitchell's had three straight games with at least 30.6 assists and four rebounds. And I think the, the, the list of guys who have had three-game streaks, at least of that, is like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Um, oh, who else is on that list? Um, so I think DeMar, DeMar DeRozan was on that list randomly enough. Um, 
James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Those are the only other guys who've managed to pull together the, a similar streak that Donovan Mitchell. Now, most of those guys have done it. You know, they've had like three, like four or five game streaks, especially guys like Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But the fact that Donovan Mitchell's been able to put these all-around games together and score efficiently, I think, really speaks to how much uh, he's been working hard and has finally worked through some of the things that were plaguing him earlier uh, this season. The things that he was doing wrong and some of the things that just weren't going right for whatever reason. So it is really nice to see him back. Yeah, it absolutely is. And for him to join that elite company is really awesome. I mean, he's his rookie year, he was joining elite company and sharing records and all sorts of stuff last year. But yeah, I mean, I'd been talking about this episodes beyond this that are, wow, prior to this, not beyond this, um, where... You know, I thought that he just was kind of overthinking things. He was focusing too much on doing whatever the right thing was at the right time. You know, his shot. I just felt like he was overthinking everything and not playing with inside the offense. He's gone back to that, and guess what? It's He's back to being dominant. Um, couple that with the fact that he's doing more point guard duty because of the unfortunate uh, injuries to all of our point guards, but... My goodness, I, I really, it's just nice to see him back to form. I don't know, I mean, there's going to be a point where, you know, he's going to have a bad game. That's just how everybody is. You can't be at the top of your game every single night. But right now, I mean, the hype, the hype level is extremely high. Yeah, it is, and it, because <laughs> it, a lot of the haters are starting to get a, uh little egg on their face. Granted, they're still trying to defend their position. There, there was one guy, uh, I saw his tweet, and it, the guy said that Donovan Mitchell was a sixth man, which... What? It, it, it was dumb. And the guy's a blue check mark too, on Twitter. So, I think he managed some radio station in Philadelphia. So, that one explains the followers, and also, two the, the stupid opinion. But I think, you know, Donovan Mitchell, he, he may be right in one instance that Donovan Mitchell is, is a, a sixth man, but that sixth man is on the all-star team or the all-NBA team. So I think that's Donovan Mitchell's future as a sixth man. But um, Yeah. Uh, he was probably of the same mind that Ben Simmons was still a rookie last year, but whatever. Well, I, I saw another Twitter poll uh it was one of those like like and retweet Twitter polls, like they don't know actually how to use a Twitter poll. But it was a who's the better player right now, Luka Doncic or uh, Ben Simmons? And there were more retweets for Luka Doncic, so he was winning the poll. And I, I really wanted to uh, retweet it. I'm not sure why I didn't, but uh, I wanted to retweet and say, uh, so Ben Simmons isn't going to repeat his Rookie of the Year this year. So <laughs> I thought it would be cheeky and a little funny, but... I've already made like two or three of those jokes this year on Twitter, and I figure I can't beat a dead horse enough. So, um, one thing that you brought up um, is Donovan Mitchell playing point guard, and we talked about this before we started recording. Both of us uh, were kind of thinking the same thing, and a lot of Jazz Nation, I think, is thinking a very similar thing. We're, we're obviously not the only ones kind of on this trail, but it's the thought of Donovan Mitchell being the point guard of the future. 
and we've actually brought it up on past episodes. I can't even remember which one. It was it was so long ago. I think we were bringing it up kind of in in uh, conjunction with uh, Dante Exum. But Donovan Mitchell's resurgence has a really strange correlation, or just a really interesting correlation, with uh, an increase in his point guard minutes. Because uh, a couple of weeks back, he about six percent of his minutes were, had gone to him playing point guard. So you know, basically, there's no Ricky Rubio, Dante Exum, or Raul Neto on the court with him. And so it's it's really rare for him to be on the court without one of those guys, you know. And it's it makes a lot of sense because you know having two established point guards on the team, you're not going to get much point guard time if you're the shooting guard. Um, but that number has jumped to 11 percent, and especially like you said with Ricky Rubio being gone, Raul Neto now being out, and Dante Exum, there's no point guards left on the Jazz, and he finally he started I think. I think the last game he started was it just the last game, or did he also start point guard against the Lakers? It was against LA on Friday, yeah. So he would have also done it against. Uh... So, so the the last two games he started at point guard, and the last two games he's dominated at point guard. He's had like six or seven assists in each of the games, uh, and he had, and he had 30, right. 30 plus points. So uh, I mean, trade. Do you think this is just correlation causation? I'm leaning more towards the causation personally. Yeah, I think I'm there too. Um, I mean, it's always funny because, like, I was just thinking about it. Donovan Mitchell is six foot two, and I know Ricky Rubio is only like an inch taller than he is, and he's, you know, he's our starting point guard. But Dante Exum is six six. So, I mean, hypothetically, if we didn't have Ricky Rubio, who would you rather have a point guard? Would you have Donovan Mitchell at the point, or would you have Dante Exum at the point? That's, I mean, that's to me, I would go with Donovan Mitchell at the point because the gravitational pull that he already has, that we saw him do last year in his rookie year, he is such a threat at so many different levels on offense. He can, I mean, uh, not just against the Lakers, but also Orlando when he was playing point a little bit, he gets that defense to collapse on him because they know that he can go to the rim and score on you and hurt you really bad. But he's also a really good passer. And we're see- we've seen so many of these good passes these last two games too. Like He's just very deceptive, and he's not the most accurate passer, but he's making those right decisions. And unlike Dante Exum, he's doing it not finding himself caught in the air and not trying to just do that. I'm just going to try and pass this out to the person I see in the color of my jersey type situation. So, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, and we've talked about it even last season when, you know, when Ricky Rubio is going at the point guard spot, the point guard spot doesn't necessarily need to be the sole distributor on the team. That's just not the way that the team is set up. Um, So... If you have your point guard that can go off for 30 points and garner all of the attention from the defense and you have all these other people on the wings waiting for a pass or something inside, that's dangerous. That's that's extremely dangerous. Yeah, it's proved really dangerous in Quinn Snyder's system altogether. And again, something that we've brought up and I've looked into several different times is the point guard position in Quinn Snyder's system when that point guard scores – 
it is super beneficial in terms of like there's an almost direct correlation between the starting point guard scoring and the jazz winning since Quinn Snyder's been here. And that's something you're not going to get from Dante Exum. He's not a 20 point per game guy. He's not obviously not that right now. And I think at his highest potential, that's probably about where he's going to sit is at 20 points a game. And that's his highest potential. Um, Donovan Mitchell is already a 20 point per game guy. Potentially be a 25, even close to 30 at his highest potential. So, you know, and I agree, like, his, his ability to pass, it's better than Dante Exum. He's a better distributor. And, and the thing is that one of the things that makes me hesitate really only for a moment um, about Donovan Mitchell being the point guard of the future is it does it does take Dante Exum out of the equation as far as being a future on this team, unless you want him as a backup, which that's actually kind of fine. Because Dante Exum is at his best when he's a point guard. Um, he's not an off-ball guard. And... I think maybe for a lot of the same reasons with Mitchell is that Mitchell is better with the ball in his hands and he's been able to control the offense. And I, maybe there's just something about him playing point guard and being responsible for the plays and being responsible for where the ball is going. But something about that has brought out something in Donovan Mitchell that, you know, maybe that kind of got shut away at the beginning of this season. Cause last year he was playing a lot of point guard as well. He played 34% of his minutes at point guard, according to basketball reference. And that might have had a lot to do with it. He had to control the offense a lot last year. And then he kind of had that taken out of his hands this year uh, to play a little bit more off ball and run the offense less. So that's one of the things that really makes me think, you know, I mean, you bring up the height, which is something I thought of, and just all these different things. Just everything seems to add up to Donovan Mitchell needing to be a point guard in the future and not a shooting guard. So I think the Jazz really need to make some moves towards that. Uh, meaning in the offseason, they're really going to need to pick up a shooting guard because I don't like the idea of Royce O'Neal starting right away. I mean, he's a stopgap starter. But if the Jazz want to win some championships, they'll need to you know, find a better option. Sure. And I, I don't know like if Quinn is really going to embrace him as the point guard moving forward. Um, but it would be nice because, I mean, honestly, it, he's far more efficient when he has the ball in his hands all the time. I know we, I'm kind of reiterating what you said, but uh, my brother-in-law earlier tonight was saying that, you know, his level of engagement in the game and what is happening from moment to moment is far better when he has the ball in his hands as the point guard. Um, whereas when he's off the ball at his position, I'd say in air quotes, um, he's not as engaged and he kind of, and I, 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 yeah, I mean, it kind of just, he not reckless, but he doesn't, it gives him that little bit of break where he can kind of think about things more or less. I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I, I mean, it is something where they need to explore this because Ricky Rubio's contract is up at the end of this year. Um, Dante XM, he's still got two, two more, one more year after this season. Two. Um, yeah, and getting someone in at shooting guard to build around Donovan at the one spot. I mean, who do you get? Number one, but number two, I mean, I, I just, I just feel like that's the way it needs to go because when if Ricky's going, which is hardly, I mean, consistent <laughs> this season. Think about if Donovan is the one running the show and his consistency is always going to be there. He may not hit his shots, but he's doing everything else 
And he's younger. He can move around a lot quicker than Ricky Rubio can. I'm not saying Ricky's old, but he's older than Donovan. Yeah, there's just so much more potential for Donovan offensively and defensively than Ricky Rubio. And I know maybe mm-hmm. Quinn really likes that Ricky Rubio old school, being able to pass, you know, make all these flashy passes, fit the ball really, you know, you know, fit the ball into a little pinhole on its way, you know, through a pocket pass and a pick and roll and whatnot. And Donovan can't do that. He, he can't do he can't make a lot of the same passes that Ricky can. But I think in today's NBA, that's not quite as needed. It's obviously a bonus, but I'm going to take Donovan's ability to break down a defense consistently and find an open man. You know, maybe that pass isn't quite as accurate and that that does have an impact. But overall, there's just so much more offensive and defensive potential for Donovan Mitchell at point guard than there is at, for Ricky Rubio at point guard. And I, I just think it's it's beneficial for the Jazz as a whole. And, and the thing I'm afraid of is the Jazz aren't going to try this experiment. Um, even though there's a fair amount of evidence that points to this being a really good idea. Yeah, I think it was... Uh, it actually just reminded me, I just barely thought of this, when uh, Gordon Hayward, he was playing shooting guard a lot, but his natural position is actually more of a small forward. And I think Ty Corbin was stubbornly sticking uh, Gordon Hayward at shooting guard, but when he finally kind of moved down to small forward, he started getting his legs under him, and that was his more natural position. And maybe this is the same thing with Donovan Mitchell, where his more natural position is, is point guard rather than shooting yard, for for a multitude of reasons. I guess the Jazz just yeah. need to stop playing guys at shooting guard, apparently. <laughs> None, Gordon Hayward doesn't fit there, and Donovan Mitchell doesn't fit there either, so uh, who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thought, and I, I honestly, yeah, I don't think we're going to get, you know, kind of our wishes on that front, because at the end of the day, Quinn Snyder is the one in charge. <laughs> He's the one that sees the things that we, as fans, or even people that work inside the industry, probably don't see. I mean, um, it's whatever he sees, whatever his system is, and that's how he's going to have it, but I mean... I. At least at this point, I think we can solidly say that, you know, if he needs Donovan to do point guard duties, he knows he can do it. <laughs> yeah, and I would just love the Jazz for take, I would just love to see the Jazz take a, a bold step in that direction to, hey, let's, let's put Donovan to a point guard. I mean, the Rockets did that with James Harden. Look how that turned out for them. I said, you know what, James Harden, you know, he can pass the ball pretty well. He can do a lot of these things. You know what, let's just stick him at point guard. You know, conventions be darned. Uh, you know, he he's like a six foot six guy. You know, why not stick the six two, six three guy, or if you ask Donovan Mitchell himself, six four, which um, I highly doubt. Uh, stick the guy who's in the six two, six three range, and stick him at point guard, which appears to be a fairly natural position for him anyway. Stick a guy who's six foot six at point or at uh, shooting guard. Excuse me. And, you know, everything's gravy. And then you're rolling with a pretty long lineup and, you know, everything else kind of rolls out from there. Uh, that's, I don't know, there's, there's not much else I can say about this. So, uh, Donovan Mitchell sure. needs to be the point but, guard. Yeah. And, I mean, and you can't really rely on 
Dante to be thrown in at the two because he still hasn't proven that he can shoot uh, off balance and on the go. Like, he has to catch it or he's driving to the basket. We've seen that over and over. So, yeah, it's just a matter of who do you throw at the two spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, Dante X would have to be either a backup or he just move on from him because he's not, he's not a shooting guard. I know, I think... I think Quinn Snyder was one. I've, I've heard just rumors that he's either Quinn Snyder or Dennis Lindsay thought that Dante Exum was kind of firmly entrenched in Dante Exum being a two. I, I'm pretty sure it was Quinn Snyder. It was like firm in his belief that Dante Exum should be a two, and that's just that's just not the case. He's not a two. It's not his natural position. Like you said, he doesn't have the skills of a modern two, and that he can't shoot. He can't create his own shot outside of driving to the basket. Uh, so Donovan has a lot of those, you know, two guard skills, which is why he's played there his whole career. But as we've already spent about ten minutes, uh, he fits better in a point guard, especially since the modern point guard is a lot like a, a smaller shooting guard that can pass a little bit better. Uh, so let's let's move on to uh, another player. So Kyle Korver. Has been for the jet has been on the Jazz for 22 games, a lot longer than I thought he'd been. Like when I saw the total, like I looked it up and was like, saw 22. I was like, that's a lot of games. I had no clue he'd been here so long. And I don't think we've touched on this for a while, but I really think that you know, when the Jazz acquired him, we said that it would it would be a positive impact, maybe not a major one. And I think for the most part, we've been mostly proven right because he's not been a, you know this game-breaking tool that the Jazz have used, but I I definitely think he's been a net positive, uh, and not just obviously in the fact that he's a good three-point shooter. He's shooting nearly 40% for the Jazz right now from three, but I think he's helping a lot of the other players, guys like Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, and everyone else who've been struggling. I think he's really opened things up for uh, those guys just solely based on his enormous gravity that uh, that he commands out there on the court. Um, yeah, well, I mean, because he encourages ball movement. He uh, has encouraged a better spacing. And not only that, he's kind of giving his two cents with these guys during practices or shoot-arounds, um, kind of helping them with improving their shots, too. This guy's been doing it for ever I mean not forever but in a basket in the NBA he's been doing this forever so it's one of those things where if he's talking to you about how to improve your shot you listen um, but yeah I mean it, he's really um, he's taken that position that we needed in terms of being a shot maker especially from deep and he's it's kind of become contagious because when he starts hitting shots Everyone kind of follows suit after that. Yeah, and I, yeah, just I going back to that, uh, you know, being able to teach guys in practice. The thought occurred to me during the, I think the Chicago game was because I was able to watch just about all that game, that it might actually be legitimately possible that Kyle Korver could literally make a three pointer in his sleep. Like that, that thought almost seriously occurred to me. Uh, just the, the guy is so automatic in his shot because he has been doing it forever. Um, yeah, then, it's one of the most repeatable shots I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it's kind of in that, that Ray Allen range of just that such robotic form that, you know, you see him take these, like, these 
practically parallel with the floor, and he's still, you know, making three-point shots. Um, yeah. But to, uh, to your other point, just uh, with other guys following suit, I mean, since he's been here, he got here on uh, November 30th, I believe, was the first game the first game he played. Got a lisp now. Uh, so before he showed up, you look at some of the shooting percentages. Donovan Mitchell was shooting 42% overall, 20, just under 29% from three. Um, and Donovan Mitchell alone since then, uh, he's uh, actually his overall has dipped a little bit. He's down to 41, just under 42%, but he's shooting 35% from three. Um, and you look at Joe Ingles, his three-point percentage went up, I think, uh, maybe just a little bit or to go down. Ooh, that's awkward. Uh, just overall, I think Ricky Rubio's went up as well significantly, and I think Jay Crowder's as well. So just uh, Jay Crowder's actually went up by like 7%. So a lot of these guys have been freed up by Kyle Corver. He's only playing like 20-ish minutes per game. It's gotten a little bit up now the last few games that everybody's injured. But uh, I just think, you know, and you said just that space. You know, and when, when Kyle Corver gets hot, it's contagious. All, all that stuff that you've, uh, you've already mentioned. Uh, and so I think it was a really – it was a sneaky good pickup. Again, it, it's not the, the game-breaking kind of thing. He's not a superstar, but he's that – you know, B, B-plus level role player that, you know, I wish he was, like, three years younger, and I wish he could kind of stay with the Jazz a little longer, but, you know, he's, like, what, 38 or something like that? 37? 37. Almost 38. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, like, two months away from being 38. So he's not really a, a long-term player, and the Jazz might not hang on to him past next year. I don't even know what his, uh, don't even know what his contract is. I think it either runs out this year or next year. But I think it was a good pickup. I'd like to see the Jazz make a, another trade, and we've already we've already talked about this, and we might pick up some more trade talk in the next couple of episodes. But yeah, I did. You know, 22 games in, the Kyle Korver trade is looking uh, very nice, almost on par with the uh, Jay Crowder pickup from last year. So, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I loved the acquisition. From the time that they announced we were getting him, I was like, okay, yeah, because it was a need. It was a need that Dennis Lindsay addressed, and it was the right guy to get. Yes, he is old, but have you seen the amount of energy he's been playing with? Like, it's pretty stupid. He has been taking care of himself. <laughs> yeah, he he moves like he's a twenty-three-year-old, and how much serious. He, he has more off-ball movement than Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell, like everybody. He just I think there was one play where, like, he like went across the court in a couple of seconds. Like, there's a rebound, and suddenly he's all the way over in the other corner, setting up for an open corner three. And it's just like, just crazy off-ball movement. And uh, and I don't know. Like, I I vaguely remember um, back when he played for the Jazz back in like the 2007-ish range of years. And there are people talk about him not playing defense. And I was just watching him in the Chicago game. It's like, no, he's not exactly Kawhi Leonard or uh, Andre Roberson out there. But he's not a bad defender. He keeps his feet moving. He's able to pretty much stay in front of guys. Doesn't get backed down easily by, you know, other small forwards and whatnot. It's like, the guy's pulling his weight defensively. So he's doing yeah, pretty much he every, yeah, he's doing pretty much everything you'd want to see from a guy who's playing 18 to 20 minutes a game. 
uh, it, really a little bit more, to be honest. Which, which I guess is part of the reason why, uh, again, everyone's liking him so much. He's already a popular player, and now he's doing all this. All right. You have something you want to add? Um, I thought about it. No, thought better of it. All right. Um, so let's. Well, we're talking a lot about a lot of uh, individuals today. Not so much the team. Maybe we should, because the Jazz are. Uh, Jazz might go on another winning streak. They could win their next three. Very. They could go on another four games. Honestly, because they're playing Detroit, L.A., Cleveland, Portland. Four winnable games. It's unlikely they do win all four games, but I think it's definitely winnable. Till uh, Denver. Denver might yeah. be tricky. Denver's going to be interesting. Um, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily um, our first test of the season, but it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup because this is the first time we've played them all year. Or no, second year. Second time? Did we play them once already? I don't remember having played them, but... Oh, no, we did play them. We lost pretty badly, to be honest. 103-88. It was like okay. our Yeah, well, I mean, that was a different season. time. Um, I, I mean, I'm not too nervous about it because, yes, Denver is obviously number one for a reason. And you know what? I'm pretty stoked for them to have a team I don't hate um, and that is actually really talented. But, yeah, I mean, as far as this next stretch goes, Detroit... My, a little worries me a little bit because of Blake Griffin and um, I mean they're, they're, they're going to want revenge anyways Clippers not so much because I just feel like Quinn Snyder is a way better coach than Doc Rivers uh, Cleveland I mean you could chalk that up to a win for sure um, Portland so far we have their number uh, Denver is a little worrying but Minnesota is Kind of a, I don't know. We're wanting, we're gonna get revenge on them at home for sure. But I don't know. I mean, the nice thing is, is we're we're here in the easier stretch of the of the uh, schedule. So the Jazz have to get the wins that they know they can. Because I mean, the Chicago game, Chicago played well, but that one was a trap game, especially coming off of that uh, second part of the back to back. Yeah, just being. Yeah, the, the second part of a back-to-back, the crushing amount of injuries, just is really nice to see the Jazz. You know, it wasn't a pretty win, and the Bulls were actually on the second uh, end of a the second game of a back-to-back, but that was just mm-hmm. the game that had potentially one of the ugliest games I saw all year, and it wasn't. But you know, it's NBA basketball. You're gonna get good nights even when it'll supposedly look bad, um, and sometimes the other way around. Sure. Um. Yeah, I just, you know, with, again, the, the easy part of the schedule, Jazz are, you know, on, on Monday they're going to have their fourth game in in a row at home. Then they'll play on the road. Then they'll have another four games at home. Then two on the road, another four games at home. So they're, they're playing a lot of home games. And not the most, you know, crazy opponents. I mean, they're, they're playing – Denver and Houston, those are really the hardest teams they're going to play in, in, in that stretch uh, until like February. So the Jazz could put the nice run together, get you know, five or six games above 500, and you'll get themselves in a playoff spot because uh, right now as of recording, the Lakers, I believe, are losing to the 
Cavaliers. Now we'll see if that holds. It's like a nine-point lead with eight minutes to go in the game. Uh, but I think the Jazz would... They'd be like tied with the Lakers. I don't know how tiebreakers work. And it's the middle of the season anyway. But uh, the Jazz could pull back into the playoffs. I mean, they're above 500 for the first time since like October. Or September, maybe. So... It's time for the Jazz to make a run. We've been predicting it and anticipating the this for you know two weeks now, so it's time for it to finally start really happening. Uh, but on the on the final note, I guess uh, and maybe we can talk about this more later. But uh, the initial fan voting for the All Star Game, um, I think the second round of fan voting came in on. It was either Thursday or Friday. I think it was Thursday evening or Thursday afternoon sometime. And obviously there's nobody on the Jazz on there. I mean, even if Donovan Mitchell were having an even better year, like 23 or 24 points a game, uh, if he were having a better year than last year, he wouldn't be on there, and neither would Rudy Gobert because well, Rudy Gobert is a center. And the only center on the uh, – I think there's two centers between the East and the West – and it's Joel Embiid and uh, uh, Yo- the, the Denver guy, Jokic? Nikola Jokic? Jokic. Jokic. I always confuse Jokic. him with uh, Nurkic, the guy on uh, Portland. I always confuse their names. Uh-oh. This throws me off for some reason. Um, I, I, I really think that Rudy Gobert is deserving of making the All-Star game. Last year he was injured, so obviously he was never going to make it. But this year, he's not having quite the same dominant year statistically uh, in terms of, like, you know, last year, like, his, his defensive rating and his blocks and all that. And it was it was plainly obvious to anyone who even looked at Gobert for, like, two minutes of game time, knew that he was the best player on the court for the Jazz, at least arguably. I would say he was the best player on the court last year for the Jazz. And But, but this year, he's fairly similar. He's not exactly dropped off. And yeah, again, he's not going to get voted in by the fans. So maybe he'll get selected by I don't know what the coaches or the media and players and whatnot. But I think there's a case for Rudy Gobert to be in there because he's near the top in a lot of advanced statistics, and he makes a difference for the Jazz. The the problem is that he doesn't show up on the stat sheet as much, which I think dooms him in a lot of ways. Right, because a lot of what he does is something you can't put a number on. Yeah, it's just him being there out on the court. And you can tell when when those rim protectors are out on the court. Because um, Utah State, I covered the men's basketball team, they've got one of these guys, uh, Nemeas Keita. And, and obviously he's like a freshman, so there's, there's a lot of mistakes there. But you can tell he's just out there, and when he's out there, he's a difference maker on defense. And Rudy Gobert is that except like times a thousand and also in the NBA. He scares people out of the paint. There are superstars who are almost scared to go into the paint. Like Russell Westbrook, in so many games I've seen him basically scared to attack Rudy Gobert, which he's not scared to attack anybody usually. Right. And so it's, it's that unseen impact that you can't feel. Now, we saw that through advanced statistics and net ratings last year. Um, I think some of the Jazz's early struggles you know, showed – you know, kind of hurt Rudy Gobert in that regard, but no, it wasn't necessarily his fault. 
he was the only consistent player on the Jazz for the first, you know, 40 games or so, or I guess like 30 games. So that, I guess that's my rant. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I hate the fan voting, honestly, because you know who the usual suspects are always going to be. And I, I hate it. So the ones that get the most exposure. I mean, I'm not trying to discredit how um, Lonzo Ball is as good as like the things he can do. But is he really worthy of an all-star vote? Also, DeMarcus Cousins hasn't even played since last year, and he's got over 276,000 votes. Like, come on. Well, like when Kobe Bryant made the All-Star game and he, like, royally sucked. Uh, like, his efficiency numbers were tanked. He was just jacking up shots. It was It's right. just a popularity thing. And, you know, guys like, uh, you know, and Jotic, he's been able to get some exposure because he's been really good, but it's because he's gotten triple doubles. Uh, Luka Doncic, he's, like, I think second in the West in fan voting. It's like, okay. Right. yep. Doncic is good. I will give you that. And I will argue that he's rookie of the year and that he's going to be better. And I, I haven't had a discussion with uh, one of my coworkers, the student newspaper about uh, how, like why on earth did anybody pass up Luka Doncic in the draft? But like second best player in the West, my butt, he's not like, I don't know. It's just, there's just a whole, whole different level of frustrating. And I, I agree with you on that. Uh, fan vote frustration so yeah i mean like i understand i understand that the all-star game is you know they want it to be up to the fans they want the fans to feel like they're part of it and for as far as this election process is concerned but the people who get voted in by the coaches the press um all the uh, their peers to the all-star game i think those are the people that are far more recognizable because of who is recognizing them I mean, Darren Williams got his first trip to the All-Star Game because the coaches and uh, the media voted him in. He didn't get anywhere on the list of the uh, votes from the fans. And that was well-deserved. And I think uh, Hayward was the same thing. Hayward was, you know, he wouldn't have been in the All-Star Game in his last season with us if it weren't for them. Yeah, and I really think the players should have a lot more input, even more so than the media, because I can go on a whole rant about media um, voting and mostly that would come down to the MVP. Although I consider media voting more uh, accurate than fan voting, definitely. Because uh, yeah, players tend to recognize things a lot more. I mean, and you'll get your crazy opinions oh, from sure. some guys, but like, come on, uh, the players know how good Rudy Gobert is. They know right. he's one of the best centers in the NBA and you can make an argument that he's a top, not just a top 15 player, but I've seen people make pretty decent arguments that he's a top, uh, top 10 player. And you know, there, there's definitely an argument there that you can make. I'm not sure I would necessarily agree with that, but there's an argument that can be made. It's like the guy should be in the all-star game, but he probably won't be because yeah, absolutely. Just, one, he's a center. That's that's the biggest thing going against him. Donovan Mitchell has a really good chance of getting an all-star game later in his career because he's a guard and a dynamic scoring guard. Rudy Gobert is a boring mm. defensive center who gets rebounds and blocks shots. Nobody likes that. You know, everyone wants one on their team, but they don't make it to the all-star game. 
the the guys right. who dunk and shoot threes make it to the All Star game. Of course, then again, yeah. I think Rudy Gobert's leading the league in dunks, so uh, th- th- there's just another reason he can get in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rudy so, Gobert in the dunk contest. Oh yeah, well uh, maybe. <laughs> that would not that would not go well. No, he's not exactly a flashy dunker. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Rudy seven feet. One inch tall, trying to do it between the legs in the air dunk. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. He, he might be able to do some of those basic between the legs, but like that, it'd be very basic. And only <laughs> only because he has to jump like 10 inches off the ground to get it up. But yeah, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't look nearly as good as, you know, Vince Carter spinning up in the air or, you know, Aaron Gordon jumping over a mascot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's leave it to yeah. the athletic guards and forwards. Although, uh, the one guy who should be, like, definitely at All-Star Weekend is uh, Joe Ingles in the three-point shooting contest. That needs to happen. But for some reason, it hasn't happened, and I don't know what's wrong with him for not putting him in there. I, I, do you really think that Joe would, would take the invite, though? Why not? Because Joe just doesn't seem like that kind of guy. He would, he would be, he's that kind of guy to me where if he got the invite, he would be like, you know, thank you, I'm honored, but I just want to stay home with my kids. I don't know. You really think he would give up a chance to show off and talk trash and that kind of thing? I mean, he'd take, yeah. his, he'd take yeah. his family I mean, with him. Like, he'd have a blast with his family sure. at All-Star Weekend. Because obviously sure. he is a family man, but like, I think he'd have a blast to the three-point shootout. Yeah, that's fair. Plus, he could wave at everybody, too. I love that that's like his <laughs> new thing now when he hits a three is he just waves just to hey, someone. Hey, <laughs> goodbye. We'll do the, maybe one day he'll do the Donovan Mitchell. This is your fault. <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved that. That was awesome. <laughs> I didn't see that until like, I think a couple days later something like that and I was like oh he really said that <laughs> all right yeah well because I guess I guess the guy that is the crowd in Detroit was just like egging him on or talking some kind of trash and like Donovan got pissed off and it woke him up and then he just went off and then he pointed at him before he left the game just <laughs> like well, you like, did this this is your fault <laughs> well it was like after his uh his dagger three when he did, it was like, I think it put him up like one Oh four or something like that. Cause they ended up winning like one Oh six something. One ten, one Oh five. I think they went up like one Oh six at that point and put it away and then hit some free throws. Mm. And yes, yeah, I think, I think it was at that point that, uh, he did it. But yeah, it just, it was, it was a whole lot of fun. So yeah, ton of fun. Love to see the trash talking. Of course, you never like it against your team, but Uh-oh. it's always it's always fun when these guys. The Jazz are better when they're having fun. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. All right, so that's just about all we got. Honestly, this went a lot longer than we thought. We didn't think we were going to have a whole lot to talk about today. We managed to push this thing almost fifty minutes. So. uh Again, uh, thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we're going to come back with a few more jazz wins under our belts to talk about. 
some more interesting things. Uh, hopefully the Jazz can stay as healthy as they are and then, you know, bring some guys back. Because, again, they're already down their entire core of point guards. And I can't remember who's going to come back first. Probably Neto and then Exum and then Rubio. Uh, don't quote me mm. on that, but I think it's something like that. But anyway, uh, thanks again so much for listening. I'm Jason Walker, joined by Trey Sanders, as always. And we will talk to you next week. 